0: Well, good morning. Man, it is good to see you. If you are a guest at Beltway, we love having you. To let you know a little bit about Beltway, we are a church, one church in multiple locations. We have a north campus, a south campus. We have people uh, all over the region and really all over the world that are with us online this morning. And we exist simply to do one thing. We believe that if you take next steps with Jesus, we find abundant life. That doesn't mean always easy. doesn't mean comfortable. In fact, sometimes it'll be very uncomfortable, but you've discovered that the great things in life often start with discomfort, Well, that gets everybody excited, doesn't it, in America? Yeah, but I'm telling you, we encourage each other to take these next life-giving steps, and today will probably be as much of a challenge as I have given in a long time. Several years ago, I was interacting with an older pastor, and he was really talking to me about a different way to lead. Um, Looking back, he was actually talking about leading from rest instead of for rest like we've been discussing, but he didn't really have that same kind of language then. But he told me his story, his story of seeing God touch thousands of people and how things were happening. He was blowing and going all the time, and then the tone changed, and he told me about the hospital. And he told me about the health issues. And he told me about the burnout that came from doing so much for God instead of from God. And he had my attention and I looked at him and said, what What did you change? And the first thing he said, I mean, didn't matter. He told me other things later, but the first thing he said was, I learned to breathe. And he looked at me serious as a heart attack. He says, you've got to take a time, a few times a day just to breathe. I'll be honest with you, there were sarcastic thoughts abundant that came into my brain at that moment about how often I actually breathe in life and such, and in my head, they sounded funny. Have you discovered that there's a lot of things that sound funny in your head, then they come out of your mouth, and they're not near as funny, right? Well, that's my reality. I was there, but I didn't know this guy extremely well. We were were in a new relationship. I wanted to honor him and such, so I heeded the words of the proverb that said, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. And he said to me, he just looked at me and said, let's breathe. So what we're going to do together is we're going to do what he had me do. We're going to breathe. If you're at our North Campus, if you're online, everybody who is able, I want you to participate. So in a moment, what I'm going to have you do is close your eyes. You don't have to worry about closing your eyes. Nobody's going to take your wallet, your purse, anything like that. And then I'm going to tell you to breathe in through your nostrils. Breathe in for four seconds. So that's like one, it's not one, two, three, four. Okay, it's one, two, three three, four. I'm not going to count it for you. You are more than capable of doing that. And then I'm going to have you hold it for four seconds and then exhale through your mouth for four seconds. Sounds pretty simple, right? Four through the nostrils, hold for four, four out through the mouth. Okay. Ready? Everybody's going to play. I can see you, believe it or not. North campus, you don't think I can, but maybe I can. You don't know what we have technology wise. So I want everybody, if you will, close your eyes. When I say go, I want you just to breathe in slowly, hold it, breathe out. Ready, go. Okay, you should be about there. Let's do it one more time. Ready, go. Okay. You can open your eyes. Okay. That's it for today. Let's go home. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. When I did this with him, I I mean, I'm wired tight. I'm going to admit it to you. Uh, and I, I, did this for the first time we went through for like five minutes and I felt nothing like absolutely nothing. Like I was beginning to wonder if I was wasting my time. Like you might be wondering right now, um, going on, but I will say God gave me at least enough humility. Um, to not only not be sarcastic with this older pastor, but to listen. And later, I actually looked into this idea. It's called mindful breathing. and It actually has health benefits. Mindful breathing practices can produce what Harvard cardiologist Dr. Hebert Benson called the relaxation response. You see, we have a natural stress response that's designed to help us deal with dangerous situations. We call it fight or flight. Here's the problem, just off of this for a second. We in, we're enacting our fight and flight syndrome often uh, in life just to deal with everyday stresses. So we do that, it can help you survive, but it takes a toll on your health when we do it for everyday life. So this stress suppresses, that fight or flight stress suppresses your immune system. It can cause other health problems, including high blood pressure, depression, and anxiety. But the relaxation response, which can be enacted in a lot of ways, but one of them is just mindful breathing, um, uh, interrupts this stress response and can give us a profound sense of rest. Now, I understand that the idea of, of Breathing and meditation have been co-opted by the New Age in the Western world. I want you to hear very clearly something. Meditation is not limited to the idea of New Age thought. Long before New Age thought ever came into existence, we had scripture. And all through the scripture, there is meditation. So in the book that we're reading together, the author actually uses a synonym for meditation called soaking. It's just a picture, an image of ruminating in the presence of God. Breathing and meditation are a tool. Yes, New Age practices have co-opted that. Other groups have co-opted that, but it's not limited to New Age practices. What makes the difference is not the tool of breathing and meditation, it's that upon which we meditate. And we, as followers of Jesus, we meditate on the reality of God as revealed in Scripture. Now, the reason I had us do this wasn't merely to get you practicing mindful breathing some during the day, though that would be good for you when I've done it and I have been inconsistent But I will tell you, it's been good for my life. But I did this because we're about to read a passage of scripture. And I want you to feel the scripture. I don't want you to just hear it. I don't want you to just want to read it. I don't want us just cognitively going through it. This is one of these passages that we are supposed to feel. It's something that I believe we as Americans need as much as anything that we need right now. But it is going to deeply challenge us. Exodus 31 says the Sabbath day. Somebody say Sabbath. That's a big word. The Sabbath day is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now this word rested right here, believe it or not, is the same word as Sabbath. It can be a noun. It can be a verb. So literally on the seventh day, God shabbat He sabbathed in life. It means to stop. It means to cease, and it means to keep. But this word refreshed. Such an interesting word in the Old Testament language of Hebrews. It's only of Hebrew. It's only used three times in the entire Old Testament. And you know what it means? Do something for me. Take a deep breath through your nose. That's what that word means. It means to inhale. It means to take a deep breath. So for six days, God worked. The way God worked is he spoke things into existence. When you speak, you have to exhale, you have to exert. But then on the seventh day, God literally Sabbathed and was refreshed. He breathed in deeply. God took an entire day to inhale, to breathe deep. Question, if God, God who has no limits of time, has no limits of power, has no limits whatsoever, if he took a day to stop and breathe, does it not seem reasonable that we who are mere creatures made in his image would need to do the same? And could it be, I just dare you today to ask the question, whenever you're listening in, could it be that one of the reasons we are so weary and so burdened is that we've actually refused the gift of rest? Nothing is more counter to the American culture than the idea of Sabbath. I mean, think about it. One of the most iconic images in America over the past 35 years is this little guy, right? The Energizer buddy. Energizer batteries hit the proverbial marketing home run with the advent of this character over 35 years ago. As a society, we have grabbed hold of this character. We love this character because he just keeps going and going and going. You can actually go to dictionaries online right now and you will find that the Energizer Bunny, that phrase, is in the dictionary and it's not a reference to the character alone. It is also said to be a person who seems to have limitless energy and endurance. A person who never stops. And we love it. And it might be bringing demise to our society. There's a lot of people right now that are lamenting the reality of our society and the state of our nation, that we are moving away from religious belief, away from faith, away from righteousness, away from a trust from God. And I will tell you, I absolutely agree. And there's a lot of people say something needs to change. I wholeheartedly agree. My challenge is this. If we want to see something radically change in the state of our nation, maybe it's time for the people of God to do radical. And when radical means that we do something the very opposite of what our society does. Like a lot of people are saying that we need to be a people who uh, keep the Ten Commandments, right? We need to get back to the Ten Commandments in our nation. Historically, our nation not founded a Christian nation, and by that I mean not that it wasn't influenced deeply by Judeo-Christian values, but that we just weren't created with an official church. Our founding fathers believed biblically that people should have the right to choose faith or not choose faith, and they actually honored that in our founding principles. But at the same time, Christian values, biblical values influenced the founding of our nation. The 10 Commandments were huge in the idea of the founding of our nation. You're probably aware of them right now. Say, yeah, they'd be great for our nation, they'd be great for me. I mean, we believe we shouldn't murder, that we should honor father and mother, that we shouldn't use God's name in vain. We shouldn't commit adultery or steal. We should have no other gods before the God of the Bible. We shouldn't lie, say false things about other people. We shouldn't have idols we worship, and we shouldn't be covetous, envious of other people's stuff. And right now you're saying, yeah, that would be good for our nation, that would be good for me. But did you notice I only listed nine Because I would challenge when we say we believe we should be a nation that holds the Ten Commandments, we're 90 percenters at best. Because the 10th one, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Say to the Lord. That's a big deal. Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work. You shouldn't do it. Your son, your daughter shouldn't work. Your manservant, your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth. Anybody hearing this? It's all through the Bible. He made the sea and all that is in them. But he Sabbathed on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the rest day and made it holy. You see, when it comes to the idea of John just talking about Sabbath as an idea of the Bible, but something that we actually do, what I find often is two extremes, and I don't find much in between these extremes. Extreme number one is that the concept of Sabbath is an archaic idea that has nothing to do with the day. Like a lot of us who are in the church world know that God told the Jewish people to keep this Sabbath day, and it was significant the seventh day of each week. And we may know that the seventh year, Every seventh year was actually considered a Sabbath year, and every seven Sabbath years was called the year of Jubilee. And you may know from the prophets that God was pretty upset with the Jewish people for not keeping the Sabbath. In fact, it seemed to be one of the leading issues that he had with the Jewish people. But we in the church at the same time will say, but yeah, but we are not a people under the law. We are a people under the covenant of grace, and therefore we do not have to keep the Sabbath. And so, what we do is we just keep taking on the mindset of the energized bunny, and we keep going and going and going, and we have souls that are ever increasingly burdened and weary. And then the second group just swings the pendulum and they have a create creation of a list of do not do this on this day and they keep it ritualistically. It's not really about engaging God. It's really a day that I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. And in pride, I look down on other people who don't keep it the same way as I do. And there's not really much in between those two extremes. But here's my question. What if somewhere between extreme one and extreme two is a principle wired into the very essence of our DNA. That if we would catch hold of it, it is a tool that would empower rest. And before you utterly dismiss me, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for humans. Humans were not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath is a tool that was meant to benefit humanity. Now look at that. These are the words that if you had your Bible, they would be in the red. Most of us struggle with that. Because when it comes to the idea of actually keeping a Sabbath day, what we think, we hear, is we hear burden. We hear weight. We hear encumbrance. So most of us, come on, we haven't even thought about the idea of keeping a Sabbath. The idea of taking one day out of seven unto the Lord. And we find ourselves struggling, ironically enough, with lives that are weary, lives that are burdened, lives that are encumbered, lives that are restless. And Jesus said right here, hey, I gave you something. I created something that you might enter into my rest. You see, the Sabbath day isn't just a facet of the Old Testament law that we're not supposed to keep under the covenant of grace. It is the way God made things. It goes back to creation. God designed humanity to function best when we honor the idea of Sabbath. It's one of the reasons Jesus continued to say, For, so the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So if Jesus is the Lord of our lives, then we honor what? The Sabbath. I dare you to grab hold of this idea because it's going to be a big switch in the brain about how we think about stuff. Sabbath is actually the father's gift to his children. It is a gift meant to empower a lifestyle of rest. Keeping a Sabbath day is a way that we declare with our action that we are a child who belongs to God. In the book of De- Deuteronomy, the Ten Commandments are actually listed again. And when it talks about the Sabbath day, it says the exact same thing about the Sabbath day, except for the reason. Exodus talks about that God created for six days and on the seventh day he rested. But in Deuteronomy it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out there, out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Do you hear what is being said? The inability to rest is a statement of slavery. The inability to rest is a statement of bondage. Slaves don't rest. Slaves don't have a choice of what they do with their schedule. They're told to do this, when to do it. They don't have that. But children, guess what? Children can rest. Those who are free can rest. Last week we looked at this incredible verse in the 8th chapter of Romans. For you did not receive the spirit of what? Slavery that shall fall back into fear. And I would tell you right now, some of us with the idea of keeping a Sabbath, we're starting to feel fear. We fear that I'm not going to be as productive as I need to be. We fear that I'm not going to get things done. If I don't get things done, then I'm not going to be somebody. I'm going to lose identity, and I'm not going to have enough, and I'm not going to be able to produce enough. And all these fears start coming out, but we weren't given unto that fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption as children by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Do you hear it? See, if we do not have the ability to rest, I would challenge the ability to Sabbath. It says that we are functionally still living as a slave, though we have been freed by Jesus. In the words of our book, we're living in chair two instead of chair one. We as humans, listen to me, we were designed to renew. Can I tell you something about the Energizer Bunny? his batteries run out too. I know we never want to say that, right? But for the Energizer Bunny to keep going and keep going, he has to have a moment where those old batteries are pulled out and the new ones are put in. It is just the reality of the way he was designed. We as humans were created, designed with renewal in mind. And to violate that design is to do so to the detriment of our soul. That's why we're learning, we as a society, we are restless to the core. Come on, it's it's kinda like you have your automobile. Now let's be honest. Some of you want to live as if your automobile doesn't need to have gasoline put into it. You live in a state of denial until that light comes on. Come on, who are you right now? Just put your hand, who are the light people? You are a bunch of liars is who you are. Because I see you running into the gas station on fumes. You're looking at that little thing that now tells you the miles. After the light comes on, you go, oh man, I got 60 miles left. I got 45 miles left. I got 20, well, we might ought to think about it. 10 miles, I need to get where I'm getting, right? Some of you just coast it. And really, let's be honest. It's not a big deal when you fill up the gas on your car, truck, or SUV because your car will run just as well on fumes As it will with a full tank. But as a human, I would challenge you, you don't do that. Some of us think that we can live just as well on fumes in the areas of our lives as we can on a full tank, and it's absolutely not true. The more you are depleted, the less effective you become. See, you have four areas of your life that have to be taken care of. You have your physical person, you have your mind, you have your emotions, and you have your spirit. And when those become depleted, when one becomes depleted, it actually affects the others. And so some of us, if I may, we are living on the bottom quarter of our tank. That's the norm of the American way of life, and we don't find ourselves the way we want it to be. I mean, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, one of the famous passages in all the Bible, is the 23rd Psalm. We looked at it extensively in the spring. And it says in verse five, you anoint my head with oil, my cup, my person, what? overflows. If I may, the design for our life is not to live on the bottom quarter of our tank. Our bodies aren't supposed to be nearly exhausted all the time. Our minds are not supposed to be overwhelmed all the time. Our emotions are not supposed to be frayed all the time. Our spirit is not nearly on empty all the time. Those things are designed to be overflowing, full to the point that it pours out of us into the lives of others. That is a reality when we live with the Lord as our shepherd, if I may, when we live as children of God and not as slaves. You see, Sabbath is designed to be a day of filling. It's a day where we purposely have our tanks filled. Sabbath is a day where we rest from The principle, according to scripture, is that we should have one day a week where we don't work. Whatever work is for you, we don't work. Now, really what people do is we get stuck on the idea, well, should that be Saturday or should that be Sunday? And we get into this technicality about what the seventh day is and how the calendar's developed and all that. Forget all that. How about we live the principle? Some of you work weekends. Some of you have this idea, have this situation where every third weekend you work, every other weekend you work, etc., and you have other days off. What if we didn't worry about what the day was but that we had the day? And that we had a day that whatever we did on that day, we do not work. We lay it aside to the Lord. Sabbath, the idea of keeping the Sabbath is to time and work what the tithe is to money. Now, don't get scared because I mentioned the word Money. We believe, man. we have seen it again and again, that when we give the first 10% of our money to God, radical in our society. Average American donates 1.2% of their income each and every year. We believe 10% is where you begin. Radical! But if we want radical changes in our nations, we better become a radical people. Do not think that we're going to see radical changes happen in our society just from the way we vote. There's an email gonna come my way. <laughs> Hear me, vote, vote righteously, but the changes you want, for, want in our society will not be enacted by government alone. In fact, it will not be primarily by government, it will be by the people of God being the people of God, being radical, and that means there's a lot of areas where we are radical. The tithe says 10% goes to God that we'll live better on 90% when the first 10% goes to God. I have seen it again and again and again. I know it's true. You know what the Sabbath day says? Six days I work. Six days, six days I do the things I do. But the seventh is to the Lord. And when I do the seventh unto the Lord, I will be able to have more, do more, be more in six days than I will in seven when the seventh belongs to the Lord. Keeping the Sabbath, says, I'm his child. I belong to him, and he will enable me because he's the father to do more and live better in six days when we set aside the seventh for him. See, Sabbath is a day where we rest from. Somebody say from, but it's more. Sabbath is a day each week to rest in. It is where we breathe. Instead of taking a few moments each day to Mindfully breathe, which would be a good habit. What if you had a day? What if a day each and every week? Let's, get, let's just get radical and say, let's do half of them. That'd be a big step, wouldn't it? And what if we went from half to three quarters to 52 days of our year are a day to breathe in? It's a day to make sure things are replenished. It's a a day that we can make sure we breathe and do things that renew us in our body. That doesn't mean you don't do anything. It just means we rest. We rest from our mind. We rest from our emotions. We rest in our spirit, and we renew in those ways. And those things will be different for each of us. We're not getting legalistic, but what if we just worked, we rested from, so that we could rest in, so that we could renew. Like one day out of seven, it's like filling up your tanks. And you just breathe and you find yourself refreshed, is it possible that we could become more of who we know in our souls we're supposed to be if we did this radical thing? Beyond that, Sabbath is a day each week to rest and to connect. See, like we like to say in our culture, the main thing is to keep the main thing the what? The main thing. Why do we say that? I would challenge us because we have a culture of abundance. And in a culture of abundance, there's a lot of good things. It's not a choice between good and evil always. It's often a choice between what is best, what is most important, and good things in our life. And there's such an abundance of good things in our lives, such an abundance of opportunities in our lives, that we know we can easily get distracted by the good things from that which is the main thing, that which is best in our lives. Sabbath is intended to be a day where we are to stop It is a day where we focus more on God than we do on the other six days of the week. And we make sure in our lives, the main thing is the main thing in our lives, that we are living from him, that the most important things we say in our lives, I mean, most of us would say, God first, my family second, and then the other things of life. What if we just had a day where we made sure that was reality, that we were renewed, and that we were living from him? You hear what I'm saying? What if we had a day that we just recentered right where we're supposed to be? I don't know about you guys, but one of the struggles of my life when I travel is traffic. I despise traffic. I have to pray in the spirit anytime I am headed to a location like Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston. I don't even go to Austin. I'm just gonna tell you right now. (laughs) For a lot of reasons, it's beautiful. I'm just not gonna go. It's not going to happen. I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord for prophetic words about where the traffic is, how to get around it, et cetera. But now I have this thing called a phone, and the phone has a map on it. And when I start getting close to one of those places, I've noticed that you can actually scroll on that map. And I can find out what's going on, how to get around it, et cetera, et cetera. But as you scroll for a little while before long, you lose sight of where you are. And it's got this amazing button that's just called recenter. And boom, it takes you right back to where you are. What if we had a recenter day in our lives that doesn't take us back to where we are, but take us back to where we're supposed to be, where we could recenter our lives and make sure that the main thing is the main thing. That is what Sabbath is supposed to be. But let's be honest. We hear all that stuff, and it sounds really good, but it creates a struggle in us, a big struggle. Because we look at life. And most of the time when we are not working, we have so filled up the other days, we're, just do, we're doing the same pace, just other activities. And we've so filled our schedule. And I would challenge us often out of fear. Fear I'm going to miss out. Fear my kids are going to miss out. Fear that I'm not going to have enough. Fear that I'm not going to be someone. Fear, fear, fear. And Jesus is saying what? Come to me. Weary and burdened, come to me, and I will give you rest. And every person in the first century heard the word Sabbath. Come to me, you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Sabbath is this gift given to us by the Father to recenter our lives on what's most important. It is a day designed just to come close to God. It it doesn't mean, listen to me, it doesn't mean you spend the whole day in prayer. Though you could, it doesn't mean you go to church all day. It means that you engage in certain things in your life to make sure my spirit is rightly centered and full. I've connected with God. I've connected with my spouse. I've connected with my kids. I've connected with my friends. I've done some things to renew. I've renewed my body. I've rested. It's a day to let them fill your tanks. Sabbath, listen to me, is a gift And I understand that our mind right now is not hearing it as a gift. And maybe something radical needs to happen and we need to have a shift in our thinking. Maybe we need to flip the script and say the Bible tells us something that we're wrestling with and it's leading to a result that we want out of. You want a radical change in your life, a soul that is rested, it's gonna be time to do the radical and receive the gift from the Father. The writer of Ecclesiastes talking about the vanity of what is normal in our lives. A lot of people struggle with the book of Ecclesiastes because it's just so negative. And the reason it's so negative is basically the writer is saying if you do things the way the world does it, it doesn't work, it's vanity. But in the midst of it are sources of wisdom. And he says, if your axe is dull and you don't sharpen it, you have to work harder to use it. Does that sound like any society that you know of? Man, we are going. You give it this the American work ethic is high, the American activity ethic is high. We are working harder, but the scripture is saying if you keep working and keep working and keep working, but you don't take time to sharpen your axe, you not only have to work, Harper. I'm gonna say that not only is the axe dull, but you're dull. I remember one time I was—I'm not a woodchopper. I mean, I honor trees in West Texas. You don't cut them down, man. We need them. But I had a guy visiting, and they were from the northwest, and they had moved there to lead a church, and they missed West Texas Texas mesquite wood. And I was going to load them up just a box, because he said it was very, very expensive up there. It's like, man— how much luggage can you take on the airplane? Let's box you up some stuff. And we, we had it there. So we went out and just found an old dead mesquite tree that we were going to chop down. And I had an old axe that I used a couple of times my dad had given me. We hadn't done it. And I am just telling you, we, I thought we were going to go in there and boom, 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 knock this thing out. And we just cut and we cut and we worked. I worked up a lather. He worked up a lather. And, man, it was, it was overwhelming. And we had like a paper box full of stuff. And we were young men. Young men. Um, And we had worked this up. And I was sitting there thinking, why in the world was it so difficult? And I thought, the ax was dull. I went out and looked at it. It was, man, it was the dullest thing I'd ever seen in my life. If we had taken 15 minutes to sharpen the ax, we probably would have taken our work time down by three quarters. What if we lived life this way? to make sure that we took a day to sharpen our axe. That's what the Father said. Would we not be more effective? Would life not be easier if we took a day off each week? I mean, think about that. I'm up here telling you, maybe you should take a day off, and we're struggling. There's something wrong. We're missing something. Again, I'm not talking about a day where we don't just work, but we do those things. We just run and run and run at the same pace. I'm talking about a purposeful day. I'm talking about a day where we renew and we refill, a day where we sharpen the ax. I'm talking about receiving the gift from the Father and seeing if we will not find rest for our souls. So what I want you to do, wherever you are right now, North Campus, South Campus, if you're online or able, I want you to bow your heads. I want you to know that after we finish praying that we're going to go into a time of worship. And I, I invite you. I mean, one of the reasons we gather, worship is meant to connect us to God. It can be a source of refilling if we engage, if we listen to what we sing. There's no pressure on how you do it. Just know you have freedom. But I encourage you, utilize it to connect I'm asking you not to leave. If you have kids, I'm especially asking you don't go get your kids because they're right in the middle of some ministry stuff and the way they have set up their activities doesn't line up with our activities. So we don't correspond though. So they're right in the middle of stuff. You go get your kids, you're interrupting it for everything. Take advantage of the time. Breathe, receive. Let the Lord meet with you. There's communion that we have available all over our physical rooms. If you're online, you might wanna go get some elements if you want, go take the elements of communion. But before we do that, I just want to ask, what is God saying to you right now? What is he speaking to you? I understand the struggle. I understand the feeling that I need to go. I understand having kids and the activities that we can schedule into our life. I understand the shift that's going to have to happen for this to become reality. But I'm just telling you, what we're doing isn't working. Busy is killing In the Chinese language, when they have the word busy, they actually have two symbols, is my understanding. They put together two symbols to create the word busy. One is a symbol for heart, and the other is a symbol for kill. Busyness is killing the heart. I'm not saying that everything from the Chinese culture is on target, but I feel like they have it on that one. I would ask, would you at least ask the father if this is true? Maybe you're going to have to dive into Scripture, and you're really going to have to look at it. But if it is, then it's time for us to do something radical. We want something to change in our nation. Maybe it's time that we take a day and dedicate it to the Lord. And all of a sudden, if we have hundreds of thousands of people connecting with God at that level, what might it empower in us to make a difference in our society? We want something radically different in our world, our lives. What if we did the radical gave a day to the Lord the way he called us to. We entered into his presence which we're going to talk about next week. I'm just challenging. I I told you this will be one of the most challenging things we talk about. As good as it sounds it sounds challenging. I'm I'm not talking about going into a legalism. I'm not talking about going into a self-righteousness. I'm just talking about pretty religiously taking a day giving it to the Lord. Father, we need your spirit to work. We need faith. We need faith to believe that when we take a step into what you tell us, that the results are beyond what we can fathom. I confess to you, Father, that I don't always do this well. Many of us are there, Father. The best we can do right now is say, forgive us. You have made us children, and yet we live as slaves. We live as orphans, and we don't want to be their Father. And so I just ask that you begin to convince us, Spirit of God, not only of truth, but the fact that you as our Father will be faithful, and we will have happen in our lives above and beyond what we can expect when we just put you first, when we do what you ask us to do. In this area, Father, this is a big challenge. I just ask for grace for it. I ask that we can start taking strides for it. You begin right now, Spirit of God, would you begin showing us just ways that we can enact this? What it might look like to take our Sunday and make it totality of a a Sabbath of some sort, a Saturday. It might have to be a Wednesday for some of us. I don't know. I trust you, Spirit of God, you're going to show us, and I pray for a courage. This is going to be one of the most courageous things that we do because it's going to make us look really different than those around us. We want different. Sometimes we want different without being different. And I say, oh, Lord, I want to be different. I want to be yours. I want to be full so I can influence the world for the sake of your name. I want to show them the greatness of who you are. So we pray that you would give us grace. Great grace to walk in what you have for us. We receive it, Lord. We hear your word that says, on the seventh day you rested and were refreshed. And I pray that that idea, rested and refreshed, would become the norm of our lives. What seems to be rare moments in our existence can become the norm. I declare it over us, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen.